Welcome to Parkview. I am not having a senior moment. I know I have a backpack on my back. <laughs> so far, I'm two for two since I've been a grandpa. I've been a grandpa for almost three weeks now. Both weeks, I've done something stupid senior moment at a service, okay? The first week, I uh, was standing out in the hallway when the sermon bumper came on. It was, uh, I was going to be on earlier like I am now, and I didn't know it, and so I had to run in, and I made up the little grandpa thing and acted like I was old so that it looked like I did it on purpose, but I really didn't. I just completely missed the service, okay? Last week, uh, if you didn't hear about it or weren't at the 9 o'clock service, I tried to do communion twice. I let us in communion, and then I got in the tub, and well, I'll just play it. It's fun to watch. I love laughing at myself. We've got uh, another one ready to get baptized. Maybe you will be too. I'm going to go ahead and we're going to do communion. I'm going to pronounce a benediction. You'll be dismissed. And if you want to do it, come on in. We're in. We're ready. This, for now, is the sacrament we do every week. It's the body of Christ. It's broken for you. Take and eat. Did you do this already? Mike. still videoing up there. I'm like, nobody's doing it. Bunch of heathens. <laughs> Pretty good, huh? You got to laugh at yourself. When, when you get to be a grandpa, you just got to start laughing at yourself. That's what you do. So far, no senior moments this weekend. This is not one. I have this backpack on because, you know, it's an illustration, okay? I, I, I'm going to use this as an illustration. It's on purpose. I've got some weight in here already. You can tell it's already hanging a little bit heavy. And it's going to be a demonstration of what, we're going, what we do to ourselves with our money, okay? The whole strapped idea. And what's going to happen is, at random points along the way during the service, people are going to come out and add weight to my backpack. So by the time I get done preaching, and trust me, this is the fourth time, my shoulders are going to start sagging, and I'm going to start getting less and less comfortable while I'm preaching about the fact that this is exactly what we keep doing to ourselves in the issue of money. Let me begin by saying, in case you're wondering, that um, when it comes to our money, God wants something for you, not from you. I'm, I, I want to encourage you to give. I, I want to encourage you to be generous. God wants to encourage you to do that because God is give is a giver. That's who he is. God loved the world so much that he gave. That's what he does, right? But, but it's not because he wants something from you, and I'm not raising funds. Jesus told us he wants us to be free from worry. This is worry. Jesus told us he wants to avoid the things that are going to mess up our life. These are the things that are going to mess up our life. God wants us to experience the joy of being generous. This keeps us from being generous. God wants us to avoid the burden of debt. Obviously, that's what this was. He wants us to be able to make an impact with our life, which is not as easy as you will see as I keep getting loaded down with more weight. It's not as easy to do when I've got this on my back. 
And the problem is, we're naturally selfish people. You know, little, little Brian was at a birthday party and it came time to serve the cake and he just blurted out, I, I want the biggest piece. And his mom said, Brian, it's not polite to ask for the biggest piece. And he looked at her kind of confused and he said, well, how do I get it? I want the biggest piece, right? That's who we are. It's like my grandson, man. I mean, he is so selfish right now. It's ridiculous. You know, everything's about me. Feed me, change me, take care of me. You know, I'm like, man, Charlie, you got to grow up. You're three weeks old, dude. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, we get that in a baby, right? They're supposed to be selfish. But at some point, we realize that a child, that a baby is going to grow up, and we're going to have to train them not to be selfish, and by we, I mean they. Uh, you know, it's not my problem anymore, right? My job is to, you know, make him the king of the universe and spoil him completely so that when he goes home to his family, they have to teach him how to not be selfish. Is that right, grandparents? Can I get an amen? Because that's what I'm hearing, okay? Yeah, it's your problem now. I'm going to spoil him. But, but at some point, he's going to turn into a toddler, and he's going to be like those seagulls in Finding Nemo, right? Remember Mine, 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 mine. That's our, that's our human nature. And the problem is, it's not the way God wants us to live. This is why Jesus taught on this issue more than any other issue at all. You understand this, right? It's not because he's trying to get something from you. God doesn't need your money. He owns it all. God, God wants a better way for you to live. And this is a better way to live without this. Now, I know you know it. I know you know it's more blessed to give than to receive. I know that you know this, but sometimes we just forget. And so we do a reminder around here about once a year, and we talk about it, okay? I just want you to know right up front that God loves you completely. There is no way you could give your way into more favor with God. There is no way that, that God is going to love you any more than he loves you right now. I don't care if you became a saint and, you know, they made statues out of you at some point along the way. He is not going to love you any more than he loves you right now. And, and, and please don't think I'm preaching down to you. One of the reasons that I do this every year is because I need a reminder. I can't begin to tell you the dumb things that we've done with money, just like you. Thankfully, we started out with not, you know, much college debt. Back in the day, you didn't have a lot of college debt. You know, they didn't give you that opportunity, so we didn't have that. And thankfully, and this is a great idea for you young people, you know, I mean, we didn't have credit cards and debit cards back in, in our day. You know, we, like, we had rocks and clams, you know, that we traded. But, but, but what I would literally do is I would, I would, we would go cash my check every week, and we had the envelope system. Anybody familiar with this? So we, we would have the envelope system. I had an envelope. I knew how much of my paycheck needed to go into the rent payment, how much needed to go into the food payment, how much in the envelope, how much needed to go into the utility envelope, right? And, and you would just take your money, and you put it in there. It, it's so much better than using a card where you have no idea or even writing a check because I knew if we were going to go to Chili's and get nachos and we were out of cash in the going out to eat envelope, I knew I was going to have to steal it from another envelope. And it's a lot different than just putting it on your card and not worrying about it. We started off that way. But still, along the way, we've made a lot of dumb decisions. We've made a lot of bad purchases, and we've had a backpack at di different places in our life. So I don't want you to feel guilty about this. I want you to, you know, as Taylor says, shake it off, okay? Shake it off right now. Just shake it off. 
I'm guessing, however, that most of you are not feeling real great about having this on your back. I'm guessing that that's true. So we're going to help you with this. Money problems are cited as being the leading cause of stress in the U.S. today. And I'll give you some statistics that will tell you why. Right? 90% of divorces list this, money, as the number one cause of why they are getting divorced. So let me do a little survey. How many of you would say, yeah, I could use some more money? Let's just talk about it, okay? Raise your hand if you say, yeah, I could use some more money, all right? As, my, as Dave Ramsey, you know, the great financial guru says, um, money is fun if you got some. Isn't that true? Turn to your neighbor say, money is fun if you got some. Okay, it's true, but, but the problem is most of us don't got some. We just said most of us said we could use some more. What, what's the problem? The problem is we're strapped. Let me give you some statistics about the United States of America, okay? I, I want to help you to understand where we're at and what we're dealing with. Now, again, I'm going to say this a couple of times along the way. Some of us are in situations with this on because something catastrophic happened to us, and there's nothing we could have done about it. Your spouse left, you had a huge medical bill, you bet heavily on the bears this season. So, so, it's not our fault, okay? All right? Not our fault. Whatever, okay? Some of us are in this situation because we've done something dumb to ourselves, which is what I've just said. Most of us have done that at some point. And it is so easy, isn't it? You got free financing, you got free shipping, right? And all of a sudden, and, and there's new stuff. I was thinking this week, can you imagine what it was like back in the Old West days, you know, when you would, you would only go to the store like, you know, twice a year, and, and it was always the same thing. You got your salt, you got your sugar, you got your gunpowder, you got a saddle, right? I mean, there's nothing ever new there. So, so you just went in and you bought what you needed. Now we live in a day and age where there's something new like every day. Amazon people, did, did, have you seen Amazon Echo just came out this week? I don't, even, I don't even know what it is. It's like this Siri thing for your house where you can talk to it, and it's hooked up to your thermostat. You can tell it to turn the heat up, and, and it's hooked up to you know, Wi-Fi, so you can say, hey, what was the score of the game last night? And, and it talks to you, and it's got a little speaker at the bottom of it. I don't fully understand it, but I need one now, right? I need this. Last week, I didn't know I needed this. It didn't exist, and now there's something new. It happens over and over and over again. And if that's not bad enough, Apple Pay? Have you seen this? Do you know about Apple Pay? I mean, I don't have it hooked up on mine yet, but evidently you just go into a store and go, <laughs> Is that not how it works? You're just on your way out. You're just like, and you're, and, you're, and you're paid for right here. Does it concern any of you that we now have a way of spending money based on the forbidden fruit of the Garden of Eden? Could it be Satan? <laughs> I just want to encourage you to be here all three weeks for this. I promise you this is not a fundraising thing. I want to help you. A lot of this material came from Craig Groeschel, Life Church uh, in Oklahoma. But bottom line, this is going to be our kind of our main idea with Strapped. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is the servant to the lender. And that word servant there uh, is the word ebed, which is bondage. It's literally bondage. 
I'm in bondage. And when, when, they, when they add more weight on me, it, it, it becomes more and more bondage, except usually I'm the one that's doing this to myself. And most people don't think about it this way. They don't say, well, I'm in bondage. They say things like, well, my girlfriend and I would like to get married, but we just can't afford it right now. What, what are you saying? Well, you're saying you're in bondage. Well, we'd like to have another kid, or we'd like to adopt, or we'd like to start a family, but, but we can't right now because we can't afford it. Well, you're in bondage. We'd like for one of us to stay home and, you know, be able to, to spend more time with the kids, uh, but we can't because we're in bondage. I mean, that's literally the bottom line. I, I'd love to quit my job. I, it's not what God's called me to do, but, you know, it pays the bills. And so, what is that? You're, you're in bondage. I'd love to go on a missions trip, but I can't afford it. I'd love to sponsor kids in Africa, but I can't afford to feed my own kids. What is that? That is still bondage. What we're saying is we're strapped. We're in bondage. Let me show you some statistics today that um, are about our country, okay? If you're, if you're listening to me in another country, uh, you know, unless you're in Greece, I mean, if you're in another country, you're probably in a better position than us. The Japanese people save an average of 17% of their income every week, 17% in Japan. We should all move over there because here's what's going on in the U.S., the average household debt in the U.S. is 136% of their household income. Not only are we not saving, but we're going a third of our income into the hole every year. That's kind of scary, isn't it? Um, let me explain what that means. Uh, if, we, uh, if, if, I were, if I were able to, you know, the average person, that means that I need my income plus I need to borrow some money to be able to pay my bills every year. If we manage a church that way, I wouldn't go here. I, I, would, I would imagine that you wouldn't either. Okay? There's only one institution in the world that gets away with this. You see a correlation between the U.S. government and the U.S.? I don't know. Maybe we're all kind of in the same boat, right? Except they can print money we can't, guys. Okay? Number two. Those carrying a balance, the average credit card debt is $14,517. Wow, that's a lot of Amazon Prime. It's a lot of Apple Pay, a lot of golf clubs, a lot of 20% off shoes, a lot of Elsa Halloween costumes, whatever it is, okay? <laughs> I saw a lot of those, right? $14,000. Now, I'm not saying using a credit card. I use a credit card. I get Southwest Miles I pay it off every month, and, 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 and some of you say, well, you accept credit cards for giving and stuff to the church. Yeah, we do, because some of us do this. We don't ever want you to go into debt to give, but if that's, you know, it's the new way that we live, I'm saying if you carry a balance, it's $14,500 on average. Number three, the average 21-year-old is $12,000 in debt. That's not a great way to start adulthood, is it? But check this. The average 28-year-old is $78,000 in debt average. What, what is that? Well, it, it's student loans, which is a huge problem. We get that, right? But you know what else it is? It is, hey, I, I graduated from college, and, and for those that are lucky enough, I got a job. 
and so now I have money coming in so I can afford to have a car payment, so I'm going to go get a new car, and I can afford a Best Buy payment, so I'm going to go get a new TV, and all of a sudden, you're 28 years old, and you're walking around with this, and, and what's the problem with that? The problem is then you're like, you meet, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Wonderful, and you want to get married, and now you've got $156,000 in debt to start your wonderful, happy ever after. Is this a good way to do that? I ask you. No, it's not. It stinks. It's heavy. It's not good on anything. Scariest stat of all, average number of U.S. households living paycheck to paycheck is over half, 55 to 60%. That means the average, if we're, if we're an average congregation, and half of us right now, if, if, if we lost our job, if we missed one paycheck, we'd be in trouble trying to pay bills. That's not good, you guys. Let, let me tell you why we talk about this as a church, okay? It's not just that Jesus wants the best way for you to live. It's also because this is an indication of this. This and this go together. Your heart and your baggage. Your heart and your bondage. Your heart and your wallet. Okay? It's an outward measurement of what's going on on the inside. Scripture is loaded down with powerful teaching about money. Two-thirds of Jesus' teaching in parables is about finances and stewardship. One in ten verses in the Gospels is about money and stewardship. It's about how we manage this and how we manage our wallet. One in ten. That's why Jesus talked about it a lot because there's a problem here. 2,300 verses on money. There's only 500 verses on prayer. You expect to hear a sermon on prayer every once in a while like I did last week? Yeah. There's 500 verses on prayer, 2,300 on money. So you should expect to hear about this because this is why. Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart is. I didn't mean to put my treasure back here. I didn't mean for my treasure to be weighing me down. I didn't mean for my treasure to be all over the place with everybody else. But my heart's always going to follow my treasure. That's what Jesus said. Your wallet is a measurement of your heart. And it's a test you can't fake. I read a great story this week. Um, guy, a bus driver in Egypt doing a drug test. You know, they're doing drug tests because he's a bus driver. Evidently, they're not great at taking drug tests in Egypt yet because they allow you to bring urine sample from home. Um, so this guy was afraid he was going to fail the drug test, so he brought his wife's urine sample in to try to pass it off as its own. So he, he, he turns it in, and, uh, you know, they check it all out, and they call him back in, and they said, can you verify that this is your, uh, your sample? And he said, yeah, absolutely, that's mine. And they said, well, congratulations, you're pregnant. Isn't that great? What a great way to find out your wife is pregnant, faking a drug test, right? This is, the, the wallet, your money is a, is a, it's a test that you can't fake, you guys. There's nothing that you can do about it. There are a couple temptations we have to talk about. The first one is there's a temptation to serve money. This is probably the, 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 the most important scripture Jesus has on the topic. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. It's not possible. He doesn't say you will not. He says you cannot serve God and money. Isn't it interesting that of all the things that Jesus could have said, he uses money there. 
He didn't say you cannot serve God and power. He didn't say you cannot serve God and popularity. He didn't say you cannot serve God and your sexual desire. He didn't use any of those. He said one thing, there's one thing that is always gonna compete to your allegiance with God, and it's your wallet. It's money. That's what it is over and over again. Why does he say that? Because he knows us. And he knows that money is the number one competitor for, for our hearts. Now, most of you would say, well, I don't, I don't serve money. But I'm going to tell you, if you've ever bought something that you didn't need with money you didn't have to impress people you don't like, you're serving money. If you've ever bought anything to make you feel more important or more special or to make you happy, you're serving money. If you've ever hoarded money and said, uh, this is mine, 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 it makes me feel secure, I, I'm, I'm not going to be generous, you're serving money. The scripture says the first thing that we should do is honor God with our wealth. The first thing we should do is be generous. We should give some back to him to show that we trust what he's doing in our life. And if you're saying, oh, no, no, this is mine. He's not getting any of mine. Who are you serving? It's pretty simple. Temptation number two is to love money. Oh, I don't serve it. But do you love it? The, the love of money, Paul said, is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, we know these people, have wandered away from their faith and pierced themselves with many griefs, right? No, no, notice, it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. It's not money that is the root of all evil. Money is neutral. It, 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 I like the way Dave Ramsey teaches on this. He says, money is like a brick. It's amoral. You can take a brick and you can build a house, or you can take a brick and you can smash somebody's window. If you have lots of money, you could build a bigger house or a church or a hospital or whatever you want. If you have a lot of bricks, you could break a lot of windows. It's amoral. It's not, the, it's not money that's the problem. It's the love of money. That, that's the difference. So there are a lot of people who say, well, I don't love money because I don't have a lot of money. That, that, that doesn't matter. I know poor people who love money because they're always complaining about the people who have money and, and they're jealous and they're critical of people who have money. Then, but they don't have any, but they love money. You say, well, rich people obviously love money. No, not necessarily. I know a lot of rich people who don't love money. They use it. It's bricks. They have a lot of it, but they don't love it. They use it to leverage their money to serve God. People say, well, if I had more money, it would just solve all my problems. Is that true? No. You had a higher paying job. What do you have? More stress, right? A rapper said, more money, more work, right? That's how it works, Okay. People say, well, if I had more money, I could be more generous. Again, guess what? That's not true either. The stats are, the higher your income level, the less percentage, and you give more money, but the less percentage of your money, you end up giving away. People say, well, if I had more money, I wouldn't be in debt. That's probably not true either. Because if you're in debt, when you've got this much credit, and you have now this much credit, guess what you're going to do? If you're still having those habits, you're going to go out and borrow this much money. That's what's going to happen. It's like when somebody wins the lottery. Have you ever known anybody that ever won the lottery and it turned out good for them? I mean, almost every story you hear, maybe you don't hear about them, but the stories that you hear, they're like, oh, yeah, my, life, my wife divorced me and, you know, my family all hates me and I lost all my money and, you know, I don't know why we're surprised. If you're a good money manager... You never would have bought a lottery ticket in the first place, okay? Is this surprising? I, I, this is what I'm saying. Mo' money is not going to help you, okay? 
Any Brad Paisley fans out there, country music fans? Brad Paisley's new album has got the funniest song on it ever about this. It's called High Life. It's a duet with Carrie Underwood, and it's a, we're a bunch of low lives living the high life. And it's about this kid whose family comes into some money because grandpa died and left him some money. They never had any money before. So the line is, grandpa's with the Lord now, but we got a new Ford now. And we can watch a big orange on a 57-inch TV. And it's just this whole thing about how they, you know, they just keep getting money and then they lose it. So they lost the money. So then mom slips at Chick-fil-A and falls on the ice and they sue Chick-fil-A, you know, to get some more money. And then they buy an above-ground pool and they spend it. And then they're broke again. And, and it's a bunch of low lives living the high life. It, if you can't get your hand around this, it, it doesn't matter. If you, can't, if you can't manage this, it doesn't matter how much money you have. Money is a magnifier of who you are. If you, if you are a, a, a poor jerk and you get more money, what do you become? Rich jerk. Yeah. Okay. If you don't have much money and you're generous and you get more money, you're more generous. This is the way it works. Okay. Now I ask those of you who are believers, do you love money? And you would say, no, no, I don't, I don't, I don't love money. But I did ask you at the beginning of the sermon if you could use some more money. And you said, yes. So I kind of tricked you. And you said, no, no, I don't love it. I mean, I could use some more, pay off some debts. I could be more generous or whatever. I just want to, I want to warn me, and, and you can listen if you want. Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This is meaningless. By the way, that was the wisest man in the world. That was Solomon. Richest man in the world and wisest man in the world. Whoever loves money never has enough. Well, if you're going to love it, you're never going to. We all realize that the way we get into this trouble, the, the, we all realize that the way this happens in our life is not based on how much we get. It's based on how much we spend and what we did with it. We don't need more money. Some of us, some of you need more money. I get that. Most of us don't need more money. We need to figure out how to live. It's a lifestyle problem, which is also a spiritual problem because we're trying to find meaning in this world in the things that are never going to do that. As a matter of fact, this is, this is the most important thing I can let you hear today. If you're a Christian, you don't serve money, you serve God. You, you just gotta decide which way you're gonna go with it. And if you're gonna serve God, it's gonna mean you're gonna live your life in a different way than when you used to serve money. You can't serve God and money. It's just not gonna work that way. We can't serve God and money at the same time. So how do you solve this? How do you get, I, I gotta get this thing off my back. How, how do you get this thing off your back, okay? In case you thought I was faking it. First thing you do, according to scripture, is you honor. You honor God with the first fruits. Honor the Lord with your wealth, the Bible says, the first fruits of your crops, and your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new, new wine. You give first, you're generous first, generosity first, that's what you do. And, and God says, if you will do that, then I will help you with this. If you want to do it on your own, you do it however you want to. But if you invite me into the promise, I promise, into the process, I promise you that I will throw open the floodgates. I will help you. I will partner with you in this process, and we will help you get that off of your back. That's what he promises. He doesn't promise that with our health. He doesn't promise that with, any, with our relationships. He doesn't promise that with anything else specifically. 
Seek first the kingdom and these things will be added to you. Yes, generally, if you want God to bless whatever it is, but specifically money over and over again, because that's the number one temptation for us, that's the number one threat to us serving God, he says, hey, give first. Give first. Jesus said, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth and not have a rich relationship towards God. That was Jesus. So I want to encourage you to think about giving, okay? I want to, I want to talk about it. I have, we, we, we talk about percentage giving. The Old Testament was a tie that was 10%, and, and I firmly believe that when Jesus talked about generosity, that that was the beginning of a process for him, and that generosity was more than 10%. I've lived that all my life, and we've had help with this all of our life, okay? But I don't want to talk about percentages anymore. Nobody, nobody does percentages, Okay? Here's, here's what, how I want to help most of you. Here's an easier way for you to think about this. Do you give God as much as you give the cable company? You're like, no, oh, I got a dish. I don't have to worry about this. No, no, you, know, you, get, you get what I'm saying, okay? Do, do, you, do you give, I mean, think about one of your smaller bills. Let's just talk about it. You signed up for something small. Do you give God the same that you give that? Do you give God, okay, do you give God as much as you give AT&T or Verizon? I mean, really? And do you give God as much as a car payment? Do you give God as much as you give Ford Credit Company? Do you, do you give God as much as a house payment? I mean, if we're talking about the, you know, the principles from the Bible, it, it's a pretty significant amount. But the problem is, I think, a lot of times I talk about a tithe, I talk about 10%, and people are like, oh, whatever. Let, let's just make it practical. Are you honoring God with your wealth? If you open up your bulletin, I'll show you ways that we have to give. Again, I'm not trying to raise funds. We, we're not trying to build something or do something. But I, I want to help you with this because this is how you invite God into this process. We have four ways to give. Four ways to give. All right? um, on campus giving, we'll pass the baskets across. You can throw you know, a check in or, or cash or whatever. Here's why I want to say this. More and more, increasingly, we are, we are having people do online giving. And, and what that means is when, when, when I give online, if the basket comes by, I don't put anything in there. And maybe when the basket comes by, you're like, man, nobody gives around here. I wonder how they pay the bills. No, people are giving online, okay? So you can, when the basket comes by, you can throw something in. That's one way. I want to encourage you with way number two. Because honestly, if we got enough people doing this, we wouldn't even bother passing the baskets anymore. Online giving is what I would love to see everybody do. You could do it with a credit or a debit card. Again, not if you're going to, you know, carry debt. But if that's the way you give to get miles, you can do that. Or a better way is direct withdrawal from your bank. That's what we do. That's what my, my, my wife and I have done that for years. It's automatic. It automatically happens. Just like our house payment. Just like everything else that we have, it's automatic. And, and we set that up, and it's automatic, and it, and it is perfect. All right? Way number three is something new. We're just rolling this out today because, again, we live in this new world with Apple Pay and, and different ways, and nobody carries a checkbook anymore. You got a debit card, right? So a lot of times people, people have been asking us, hey, I know you got a kiosk out there, but I'd like to give, and there's no way for me to give if I'm in the service and I feel like I want to do something. Well, let me roll this out for you. We have a new text-to-give option. By the way, this is even more secure than anything you do online when you're using your phone. Take your phone out. I just want to show you this. I'm not going to make you give, but take your phone out because I want, I want you to see this, okay? Here, here's all you got to do. You got to go to your messaging, all right? Go ahead and do it. Go to your messaging. I'm going to put a new message to somebody that I don't know, and it's 45777. 
If you want to, you can go ahead and enter this into your contacts and call it Jesus. This is Jesus' text message, okay? The fun, because then when you get like, when you get a, a thank you back, it'll be from Jesus. Oh, Jesus says thank you, okay? This is good, right? <laughs> you, want, you can do all of this and you're not gonna give until you do something way farther on down the line, okay? Put in an amount, all right? You don't need the dollar sign, you can put the dollar sign if you want and a blank and put the word part view. So, uh, an amount of money and the word and then blank and a blank and then park you, okay? And you can go ahead and do that because it's still not going to take any money from you. Obviously, you haven't given us any information yet. You know, so it's just magical, like it's going to take it out of your account. Then what's going to happen is you're going to get a, a text message back from Jesus. Congratulations, you're almost done. If you want to finish your donation, you click on this link and it will take you to this secure site where you will enter your information and it'll complete your profile. This is the simplest way. This is brand new. We're just rolling this out. And once you do that, then you will get a, bo- a button at the bottom. It'll say, click to confirm your gift of whatever. And that's when you know you will be giving. And then it will give you a thank you thing, a, a text back saying thank you for your donation. And it's going to be that simple. Uh, again, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to give. I'm just saying if you want to, if you want to be generous, if you want to invite God into the process of your money, if you want to prove that you serve God and not money, then that's just another easy way for you to do it. There's a fourth way, and, and this is something Denise and I have done. We've, we've got Parkview in our will. When we die someday, Parkview is going to get a percentage of whatever is in the account at that point, Okay. I'm not going to give all my money to my kids. I don't want to ruin my kids. I'm, I'm going to give it. And, and, of course, it's not going to cost me anything because I'm going to be dead. But you know what? It can do a lot of good. Uh, we just had a, a, one, of our, one of our great ushers, Kevin Stone, one of, our, one of our really good guys, died this summer of a heart attack. I mean, just like too young. Just, it didn't make any sense. Just dropped dead this summer. He was like our super usher back there. About a month later, we got a check from his estate for a significant amount of money. Because he'd already set this up as a part of the life insurance policy and as a part of his estate. There are non-cash giving things you could do. You know, you sell some junk on eBay. There's all kinds of ways that you could invite God into this process of honor. All right. First place you want to go if you want to get rid of this is we honor. The second thing is you, you, we've got to learn to save. Okay? We have to learn to save. I, I read this scripture every year. Take a lesson from the ants, you sluggards. I love the Bible bunch of sluggards, bunch of low lives. Take a lesson from the ants and learn from their ways and become wise. Have you seen the, 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 the squirrels running around gathering nuts like crazy right now, right? Or like all over my yard g- gathering everything they can. Why? Because even though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter because they're smart enough to do that. Guess what? We need to... We start by honoring God, and then we need to start saving for an emergency fund. So when there's an emergency, we don't have to go charge it at Best Buy and pay for it for five years. When the washer breaks, right? And for our retirement, listen, I'm not going to help you retire. I'm sorry. It's your problem. I mean, the Social Security will get you so far, but, but, but if you don't do anything about it, you're going to keep working until you're 90 years old. And if this is a part of your retirement plan... I think it's a bad idea, all right? That's just not going to work. 
So it's time, and young people, I'm talking to you especially, get serious about this. You know, if you're a young person, and, and, and like say you're in your 20s, let, let's just, let me give you a hypothetical model here, okay? You, you, let's say you've saved up money, which is miraculous in itself. You saved up $14,000. Say you're 30 years old. You saved up $14,000 because you're going to buy a car. If you decided, you know what, I'm not going to buy a car with that money, I'm going to invest it in a high-yield mutual fund that averages 12%, and maybe that's a little high, but it makes my numbers come out good, okay? You take that $14,000 and invest it at 12%, in 40 years when you're 70, you will have $1.4 million. When you're 70, you can look back and say, I have $1.4 million, or I bought a crummy used car when I was 30. What do you think is going to be better? If you took that $14,000 and you, you, you quit cable and you got a cheaper phone plan and you added $200 a month to that $14,000 when you were 30, when you were 70, you'll have $3.6 million. It's this basic compound interest. And, and you might say, well, I, I don't need $3.6 million when I'm 70. You might not. But imagine what you could do with it. Imagine what you could do with those bricks instead of doing this back here, all right? We save. And the third thing we do, we got a budget. We got we got to learn to live within our means. And, 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 and so you set some aside for God, you set some aside for saving, and you live on the rest. You set a budget. It's really, really that simple. Newsweek did, you're never going to out, you're never going to be able to earn enough to make your life perfect, okay? It's never going to work. Newsweek did a survey, and they asked people, how much money would it take for your life to be where you wanted it to be? And people that made $25,000 a year said, if I had $54,000 a year, everything would be perfect. And people that made $100,000 a year said, if I made $192,000 a year, everything would be perfect. Notice the theme? Pretty much everybody thinks, if I just had twice as much money, everything would be great. You know what? If we lived on what we had, if we lived on a budget, everything would be great. We wouldn't be in this place. The Bible says good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, not winning the lottery. It also says like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. You've got to decide where you're going to be. And if we don't have financial self-control, it's, a, it's an indication of our heart, and it's also going to lead to this. You're going to end up in bondage. You're going to end up needing 136% of your income to, to pay your bills, $14,517 $14, on your credit card, and you're going to wake up and go, how did I get here? So the principle we use, we use the 10 10 80 thing. Again, I'm not worried about percentages, but you set aside 10% for God. This is how the Bible set it up. You, set, you save 10%. That's not in the Bible. I'm just making this up. But it's a simple way to do it. You figure out what your budget is. You figure out how it's going to work. Maybe you can live on 70% and save 20% or give more or do something else. You set up this, this way to live and you stick with it and then you won't end up in this situation. All right? This is my... This is my new man purse. It's my new purse, right? Nice, isn't it? 
my new handbag. It's awesome. Okay, I, I got this as a gift. It's handmade leather made by this colonel guy in, uh, in Tennessee. It's got my initials on it. it. It's a very expensive piece of leather that Dave Ramsey gave to all of us preachers who were at this summit thing that he did a few weeks ago. He invited us in, and they paid for our motel, and they put on the, I mean, they, they rented out the Country Music Hall of Fame and fed us his dinner, and they did all this stuff just because he wanted us, our input in on on, on, on helping people live this way. And so he bought me this bag. Well, the problem is, we all went back, you know, and we realized, okay, this is a nice bag, but it's not very big. My, my laptop will fit in here, and, you know, I can put a few cords and a few other things, you know, in here. But if I'm going to carry this, I'm going to need to get rid of some junk, okay? This is my old backpack. You can tell how old it is. I mean, it's barely, it was barely holding on. This is what I would normally go through the airport in. This is normally what I would pack stuff in. And it's got pockets everywhere. So, th- so, so I started emptying this out and trying to figure out what I needed out of this to really carry in my backpack. And this is all the stuff that I had left over. Okay? I got... I, I got I got my little, you know, my little, my little puffy vest in case it's cold on the plane. I've got a Netflix envelope. I don't know where the movie is. It's, it, was in the, it was in the bottom here. I got hand sanitizer. I got, you know, tea bags because I'm cheap and I just go get water from some restaurant and I make my own tea when I'm getting on the plane. I got sunscreen. I got like five things of sunscreen in here. I've got cords. I've got, I've got all kinds of stuff. I got mints. I got... This little speaker thing, you know, I got, I got cords in here. I've never used this ever. <coughs> it plugs into, the, into my car so that I can charge up, you know, and this, they're all connected in there. I've got these throat lozenges that I need right now. I have, I have this thing that you put your iPhone into so that it'll stand up and you can take pictures with it. <coughs> I have never, ever used it. But I've been carrying this around in my bag. I got a water bottle so I don't have to pay for the water, you know, that, that's going on. I have a wrist guard in here. I have some Rima books with scriptures in it. I can make my own coffee. Of course, I have Southwest peanuts left over that I didn't eat. And speaking of Southwest, I have like a hundred of these free beer or wine coupons that they give me for Southwest. Have you ever had the wine on Southwest? Because <clears throat> if you like it, you can come and get these. I'm never going to drink it. I got uh, this elbow wrap here. <coughs> I got some nuts. I got my certification for scuba diving in case I happen to be anywhere and I want to rent scuba equipment. I have, I, 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 my wife put all these in one package. I have got Sudafed out the wazoo. Evidently, every time I would go on a trip and I would have a, you know, a scratchy throat or I would have some kind of a problem, I would throw Sudafed in here. I now have enough to make crystal meth, you guys. <laughs> this is breaking bad right here, okay? I have peanut butter, for crying out loud. If you look, if you see all the things I have in here, what I'm saying is, what happened to me, what happens to us, is I'm just not paying attention. I'm just not watching my budget. I'm just not watching what's going on. And I'm throwing something else in and something else in and something else in. And all of a sudden, I wake up one day and my backpack weighs 70 pounds. That's what we do to ourselves. So all I'm saying is, let's, let's, let's knock it off. Let, let's stop and say, okay, 
we're not going to serve money. We're not going to serve that. We're going to serve God. Let's get, her, let's get her head wrapped around it, and let's follow him. All right, let's pray. God, as we uh, worship right now, we're going to take communion. We're gonna, we realize that <clears throat> communion is not about us being good people. It's not about how, how we do with our wealth. It's not about how our, how our lifestyles are going or how, how much good stuff that we do in our life. It's about the fact that you love us. But as we spend some time worshiping right now, Lord, we just wanted to, we wanted to do things differently today so that we could spend some time. N- now that we've all you know, realized we don't do this so good, that uh, sometimes we serve money more than we realize we should, We'll spend some time worshiping and serving you, and then we'll take communion, and we'll go back out there and we'll start over. Be with us as we do this in Jesus' name. Amen.